Okay, Boker Tov, everybody. Uh, today's stuff is Mem Bet, and we pick up on the bottom of the Malaf Bet, um, Tashma. And we are dealing with the issue about the debate of Rebbe and the Rabbanan, whether you can half-free a slave. Um, and the Gemara wanted to, uh, had two approaches to this. Rabbi said it was a debate about a star, but with Kesef, which is fundamentally about the property aspect of the slave, everybody agreed that you could half-free him, that he could half-redeem himself. But Shtar, which is about the personal status, that was the debate, where Rebbe said it worked, and Chachamim said it did not work. And then you had Ula that said the op- well, that said that no, by Shtar, of course it doesn't work, and the debate is by Kesef. And the Gemara, uh, demonstrated with Brisa that, uh, clearly they're debating about a Shtar, that Rebbe does say that actually a Shtar can work halfway. Um, and it's an open question whether everybody would agree that Kesef works halfway or that's a debate as well. Um, so now we continue um, with the Gemara Tarshma, about 20 lines from the bottom on the mouth on its back. Tarshma, that's day. So this is the Parsha by the Yeshifra Knanis, by a case about a man who sleeps with a, uh, with a um, non-Jewish uh, slave who um, was somewhat designated to, um, another, to another man, to another slave, um, or a Hebrew slave, and um, and the question is, what is this, what was the status of this non-Jewish slave? So the Apostle says, She has not been redeemed, and a freedom has not been given to her. So the question is, is she a complete slave, or is the Hastei Lo Nistasa, although it's Torah's way of emphasis, like Nakei Lo Yimakesh, or surely not be cleansed, Hastei Lo Nistasa has surely not been redeemed, but the way that the Gemara is choosing to read it is that it's a halfway. Um, same way it reads Nake Lo Yimake. Some people are cleansed and some are not. Here, perhaps day, she's redeemed and Loni Stasar. She's not redeemed, she's partially redeemed. And then that would be a source for the idea that there could be a slave could be half redeemed, at least by money. So let's take a look. Uh, maybe she's completely redeemed. Loni Stasar, she isn't redeemed. Loni Stasar, she isn't redeemed. Yachalakal, maybe fully not redeemed. She is redeemed. What is this story? Um, what's the case? She is half redeemed, and that came through redemption comes through money. So here you have the idea that at least the process of redeeming can work halfway. So that's all about property ownership. I know that somebody can only be redeemed by money. And how do I know that somebody can be redeemed by a writ by a star shechur, or somebody can be freed, excuse me, Tamil Lamar, um, and her freedom has not been given to her. Because of law, say for Christus, right? For her, a writ of divorce, and the law, the classic, the classic law, law comparison tells you that, uh, first of all, it's one basis we learn that slaves have the obligation equal to that of women, including male slaves. But here we learn from the law, law, that it means that the same way a woman is divorced with a writ, a slave is freed with a writ. So, so there we have the idea that a slave is freed both with money and with a writ. And the case of money, we have an idea that it was done even half of a freedom can be achieved. It does not have to be an all or nothing affair. So the Gemara says, All I know from the Pasuk is that it's possible to do halfway by money. Or if you're going to use a star, that would be presumably the entire slave, like an entire woman, by divorce. How do I know that it's possible to even see half of a slave with a star, to do a half freedom, not do the whole thing? Two parts are connected. It links the star to money. The same way. Money, it's all, it's all, but it could also be partially. You could do a half redemption. The same is true by Ishtar. Okay, so this is a very nice writer that says that we, from from we learned that a slave could be redeemed halfway, and from the connection to the star, we learned that the star could work halfway, completely consistent with Rebbe's position. So the Gemara says, after he was challenged, partially, and he had to concede that there is a debate by Star, then he would argue that there's a debate both by Star and by Kesef. So, fine, this all works like Rebbe. Hamani Rebbe, this is Rebbe, that says that it works by Star and it works by Kesef, and the Chachamim would disagree with both parts of this price. Um, Ella, Rabba, but according to Rabba, Reish, 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 the beginning that says that it works by Kesef, that's everybody. Even the Chachamim say 
that you can do a half redemption by Kesef. The same for Rebbe. So how could it be that the beginning where it says it works halfway by Kesef, that's everybody. The end where it says that it works halfway by Shtar, that's only Rebbe. How could such a thing be? Which is such a bizarre question. Because why not? Why doesn't Rebbe start with the position that is agreed upon? And then he uses it to advance his next position, which is debated, which is that they also say, which is that he says that even a star can work halfway. So that's basically what the Mar says. But it's even strange what the question is that it was asking. So I'm like, Araba, yes, Rejidi Vekol. The first part where it says that it works halfway by Kesef, it's work halfway, that everybody agrees on. Seifa, Rabbi, and then the second part where he says, and even a star can work halfway, that's Rabbi, that's exactly the area of debate. Okay. Um, Ravashiyama, Rabbi, the whole thing is Rabbi, Ella, Rabbi, um, uh, Rabbi, which basically is a similar answer, but if you look at the doctor, Rashi just says, Rabbi, Amalakula, the Isaac of Travayukana. Right, Rabbi, you don't have to say that the first half of the Braitha is a, the author of it is Dibre Hakol. The whole right is Rebbe. Rebbe is basically saying, I say it we're ca- halfway by Kesef or something we all agree upon. And then Rebbe goes to the end of the break and says, and once we all agree that halfway works by Kesef, I'm going to say halfway works even Bishtar. So the author is all Rebbe, even though the first half is, con- is, is, is everybody concedes on. Why not? Start with a point that everybody can agree to. Okay, now the verse says like this. Elamas Nisin, now we have our Mishnah. Mishnah says, our mission is dealing with somebody that's half free and half slave, and whether we force the master to free him in order that he can uh, get married to a woman and have children. So that Mishnah, who's the author of that Mishnah? So according to Rabbah, no problem. It would be that he was half redeemed with money, and everybody could agree that such a phenomenon could exist, half free, half slave, if he was half redeemed by money. El Rav Yosef, Rav Yosef, Rav Yosef says, according to the Rabbanan, you cannot, um, the Rabbanan would say, not only can you not have free a slave with a star, you can't have free a slave with money. So according to the Rabbanan, according to Rav Yosef, um, where do you get this phenomenon of somebody that's a half slave? Uh, it doesn't work by, by, by Kesef, and it certainly doesn't work by Shtar. So El Rav Yosef, Lema Rebbe, he's a lower Rabbanan, let's say it's Rebbe and not Rabbanan. Rama Ravina, Ravina will say to you, no, which we sort of already knew because of Rashi on the Mishnah earlier. We're dealing with a case that it's owned by two masters, and everybody agrees because in that case, one master can write a writ, or presumably can have the slave redeemed, and he totally frees himself, and he totally um, sort of frees his ownership, um, and therefore that works. Even though the whole status isn't changed, one way of thinking about this is he did an act which the goal would be to change the whole status, but it's being held back by somebody else's uh, ownership of him. Um, so therefore, it's not seen as a fundamental lack of that ability of um, of that act to uh, to change uh, to change the slave. This, by the way, also assumes that um, Rebbe, right? This is assuming that Rebbe and the Rabbanon argue both by writ and by Kesef. So therefore, if you would just if you were to own the whole slave and try to redeem him part way or free him part way, that would not work. It has to you have to do something that defines his whole status, that transforms his whole status. But here, if you're just the part that you own, you're doing fully, that, does, that can work. So, I'm a rabbi. So, now rabbi said, The debate of Rebbe and the Rabbanon is when you freed half and you retain half. So, this is sort of like a variation of the idea that when he was still partial, when he was owned by somebody else. Let's say it starts that it wasn't owned half by somebody else. But in, in, in one moment, now, if you went ahead and you sold half to somebody and then freed half, then of course, that would work. That would be like just recreating the situation that first step made half of them owned by somebody else, which is okay. That's a sale. You can do that. You're not changing the status. And now that you're coming to free the half that you own, that's what we've established before, that everybody agrees that, uh, that that can work on the half that you own. You can get somebody who's a half-slave and a half-free person. But let's say you actually were trying to do both of them at the same time. Um, so if you're trying to do both of them at the same time, in one act, you, um, in one act, in one act, you um, give somebody uh, to take possession of two staros. One star that transfers possession to Ruben for half the slave, 
and one star that frees what you, your remaining ownership over the other half of the slave. So we are saying that the same way it works with that since two stages, since an act of free, of shikhor is not considered to be not a full act if you're doing every part of the slave that you own, if you're completely divesting yourself of your slave. So here too, that's true, even if it's all simultaneous. In this one moment, you are fully divesting yourself of your slaves. When you're done with your shikhor, you're not retaining any part, and therefore that can work. Rashi explains this based on the comparison to the get Isha. Rashi says, um, um, the problem is not the status of half the half slave, as we know, where the case is when you free them, it's already apple. The problem is the act of doing a partial freedom. And Rashi says the emphasis there is not that it has to result in being freed. Also something you know when he's already owned halfway by somebody else. The problem is that your act has to be a total divesting of yourself from your slave, a total sense that he is no longer my slave at all. If something else, somebody else's slave partly, that's nothing that I can control. So even if you do that at the same time, transfer half ownership and free your half, that actually also works. Okay, so let's read that again. I'm a rabbi. That you retain, to continue to retain a half. You did not totally, um, free and, 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 dis, and, and, and divorce yourself from that slave. If you freed half and sold half, or nothing the matana, or gave the other half of a gift, and you did this all at the same time, that, excuse since you are completely taking your slave away from yourself, Right, so uh, digesting yourself of the slave, not retaining any part of it, everybody would say that that would work. Okay, I'm only Abaye, now we're going to see if this is really true. If even the Rabbana who argued on Rebbe, and who would presumably agree in a case when already part of the slave is owned by somebody else, would they agree that this would be true if it were at the same time, divorcing half, uh, divorcing, selling half and freeing half. So let's take a look. Um... So I said to him, are you telling me that they would not disagree in a case when it was fully divesting yourself of the slave if you were doing a half-half type of thing? But we turned You write over all your estates to two of your servants, slaves, excuse me. So what's the story? So now they each own half the estate and they each own half of each other because they are part of the estate. So, it's, uh, um, so therefore, and presumably because in that act, since you're giving each slave half, so each slave you're giving half of himself and half of the other slave. So because presumably you're giving half of himself, he's half free, and that allows him to own property. That allows the sale to have gone through. But now he's not fully free because half of him is owned by the other slave. So what do they do? They are meshachim zed zed. They write a writ of uh, freedom to one another. They free one another. Now, normally a slave can't own property, let alone another slave, although I think, as I've mentioned before, that in ancient Rome, slaves did own slaves. But anyway, because he's half free, um, he is actually able to own property and own the other slave, that half of him that's free, and that, therefore, he's able to free that other half slave, and therefore they free one another. Presumably, this would assume that if you, uh, um, that in the act of selling a slave to himself, even if there's a question that Master Avdotach gets Shekhar, presumably selling a slave to himself, or giving the slave to himself as an act of a gift that the slave takes possession, that actually unquestionably constitutes a shikhar. Maybe it's also with a shtar, it's a shtar matana, that's part of what makes it work. But that's interesting, that here the status issue has changed automatically with the monetary one. Anyway, so the Gemara says like this. Um, so that works, okay? Now that was noticed, that each slave was only half free at that moment. You totally digested yourselves of the slaves, but the, what you did to each individual slave was you freed half of him, and you gave half of him to the other slave. And that works. And Rabbah has been saying that according to the Rabbana, that would work going to everybody, even according to the Rabbana. Fine, but let's look at the next price up. But Tanya Ida, but we're talking another price up. Somebody says, all of my, um, all of my property is given to Reuben and Shimon, my slaves. So, it doesn't work. Now, that sounded exactly like the other thing. You wrote over all your property to both of your slaves. You said that all of my property is given over to both of my slaves. It doesn't work at all. Why not? It sounds like that in that act, they remain slaves 
because they remained slaves, they could not take possession of any of the property. Well, why is it different? So the Gemara says, um, It must be different of Rebbe and Rabbana. The first case was according to Rebbe. It was a half freedom of each slave. And therefore, they were able to take possession of the property and able to free one another. The second one would be according to Rabbanan. You're only half freeing each slave, so you're doing nothing because you're giving everything to both of them. And therefore, they can't take possession of property. They can't take possession of themselves. They can't take possession of anything. Nothing works, okay? Of each other, etc. It was only a half freedom. So you see that according to the Rabbanan, half freeing your slave doesn't work, even if it's done by you totally divesting yourself from your full slave. You've given half to... To, to, to the slave himself and half to the other slave, you fully divested yourself, and nevertheless, it does not work. So you see the Rabbanan do not agree in that case. So the Gemara says, that sounds like a nice way of dealing with those writers, but says, well, not necessarily. I divide the Rabbanan, we could say they're both the Rabbanan. So if they're both the Rabbanan and the Rabbanan agree when you divest, fully divest yourself, why does the second case not work? Hadamar kulo, hadamar chesi chesi. It depends if you say, to each slave, I'm giving you Ruvain all, and I'm giving you Shimon all. That was the first case. And then when you did it, it was, since they can't both have all, it works out 50-50, and that works, because you're fully divesting yourself, and the Rabbana would agree. And in the second case, where it doesn't work, you say, I'm giving you Ruvain half, and you Shimon half. And that doesn't work. Now the question is, why doesn't that work? That should just be. I'm selling, I'm freeing half of you Ruvain to yourself, and I'm selling the other half to, uh, well, you know, let's get, uh, whatever. It has to have a non-Jewish name. But anyway, I'm selling, g- giving you half of uh, Frederick to yourself, and I'm selling the other half to Ruben over there. Okay? So that seems to be, that would be a case that we say the Rabbanan would agree. So if you would agree when you free half and when you sell half, why does, why, everybody's on camera, by the way. Um, when it agrees when you give half and sell half, why does it not work when it's, um, why does it not work when it's um, in a case where you are selling or you're giving half-half to the two slaves? Even if, even if you don't say all-all, you say half-half, that's exactly the case that should work. Why does it not work? So Rashi says, but the debate of Rashi Tosos, they both give answers that they're not fully, sa- or they are not fully satisfied, I should say. Um, Rashi says that the case is that because you said, I'm giving you Frederick half and you Ruvain half, Maybe you're, in both of them, you're referring to the same half. And therefore, you're not fully divesting yourself of the slave. Sosa says, come on, it doesn't sound like that at all. It sounds like anything short of saying all, all would, uh, would not work. Even if you said, I'm giving you this half and I'm giving you that half. And we're clearly talking about different halves. So Tosa says, the reason it doesn't work is because since it won't work sequentially, it doesn't work at the same time either. But if I were to say, I'm giving you Frederick half, and then you said, and then, Ten minutes later, and I'm giving the other half to Reuben over there. That doesn't work because you do not fully divest yourself of the slave. And therefore, since it doesn't work sequentially, it doesn't work also at the same time. Whereas, if you say I'm giving you Frederick all of yourself, all the property, and then you said I'm giving Reuben all the property, that wouldn't work. Frederick, at least for Frederick, he would get all the property and he'd be free. So therefore, when you do all all at the same time, also does work. Um, so that's the way Tosus explains it, um, that because it would work, um, so because it would work sequentially, it, uh, that because it doesn't work, um, sequentially, it also doesn't work simultaneously. Of course, it's, uh, not fully satisfying, Tosus has his own questions, but also if you think about it, the basic case of half-half, um, that we started with, that Thurabana agreed to, also doesn't work sequentially. It works in one sequence. It works if you say, I'm giving half to Ruben and then half to Frederick. It doesn't work in the other sequence, but maybe that's enough. As long as it can work in one of the sequence, in one of the sequential arrangements, it can work simultaneously. But in this case, there's the two slaves, right? If you, it won't work in either of the sequential arrangements. If you try to give a slave half of the property, nothing happens. He's not yet free. Okay? And if you, so therefore, because half half doesn't work in either of the sequential arrangements, it doesn't work simultaneously. All right, so that's the basic, um, those are the basic, so that's a little confusing, but that's basically what we've done. We've tried to say, so one more time, um, we've actually, uh, we've tried to say that, uh, according to the argument of Rabba was, that the Rabbanan agreed when it's uh, simultaneously freeing half and giving half, that it works. Uh, we've shown a co- that this seems to, even the Rabbanan would agree this doesn't work. We've shown 
that this does work. I'm sure it doesn't sound like that. It sounds like a case where this doesn't work. When you give all your property to your two slaves and it doesn't work, why not? Shouldn't that be like half-half? That, and that, where you're digesting yourself fully. Much as well, if it's all, all, it doesn't work, and then you turn half, and that is the case of Rabba, you're fully digesting yourself. But if you say half, half, it doesn't. Well, why is that different? So again, so that's different because that doesn't work sequentially. If you try to do that sequentially with each individual slave, nothing would happen. We'd just be trying to free half the slave if nothing works. When does it work? When you do all, all, but therefore if you did it sequentially, the slave that you said all to, at least he would own himself and he'd be free. Or if you did half half with a free person, that also would work sequentially. First you sell the free person half and then you free the other half of the slave. But half half with two slaves does not work. Okay, so that's the specific reason. But otherwise, what Rob is saying, you're still going to defend that the Rabbanon would agree with the case of half half. Okay, so now the Gemara says like this. Um, but one minute, the end of the Bryce says, if you said half half, it doesn't work. The end of that right, when you would try to give all of it to two slaves, it doesn't work. And then the right continues. And if you said half half, it doesn't work as well, presumably. So that sounds like the first case where we're saying it doesn't work when you try to give it all to two slaves is that you said all of it, not half half. And even that doesn't work. So the merchant says, no, we should come as far as it's explaining. What's the case when you try to give all your property to two slaves, it doesn't work. When you said half half, but if you said all of this, then they, that would work. That doesn't make sense. If you think the ratio is when you said all and it doesn't work by all, and then it's saying in half half doesn't work. So it's trying to give, say explicitly, I'm giving it all to both of you, doesn't work. Obviously, what type of question would it be? Of course, half half would work. He says, no. If that was the only proof, that wouldn't prove anything. We're telling the end in order to make it clear what the beginning case is. You shouldn't say exactly what you did say, which is when does it not work when he tried to give it to two slaves? If you said half half, but if you said all, I'm giving it all to two slaves, maybe you would think it does work. So it says in the end, if you said half half, it also doesn't work. So you should know. So you should realize the first case we were talking about was when you said I'm giving it all to two slaves, and even half, and even so it doesn't work. So okay, so this bright that we don't know. The end of it is a case of half half. The beginning is unclear. We're arguing that the beginning is also half half. It's the same case, and that's why in that case, if you tried to give half half to a slave and a free person, Rabbi says to Rabbanon would agree, say it would work. We tried to give half half to two slaves. That doesn't work. But he still is going to argue that the Rabbanon would say that if you did half to a slave, half to a free person, even the Rabbanon would say that that does work. Okay. The Ebay say, and if you want, I can tell you, Lokasha. Kan Bishtar, Echad, Kan Bishnei is the difference of one document and two documents. Okay, if it was in one, if you gave in two documents, you know, to Ruben, and, uh, excuse me, to your two slaves, you get all, you get all, it does work. But if you try in one, and each said half. And, but if you try one document, I am giving all, all my property to Reuben and Shimon, my slaves, that doesn't work. Why not? Even if you said all. Because, as, as Rashi says, this star also has to work as a star shifter. And a star shifter, by a get, we learn out that you can't have a get for two women at the same time, even if they're both your wives. Um, so also, you cannot have a star shifter for two slaves at the same time. So therefore, it's a technical reason, even if you were, that even though you could free half your slaves, if you did it this way, you can't free two of your slaves with one document. And that's the case that it does not work. Okay? So the Gemara said, why? Are we, why does the end of the Brighta say we're talking about a case which he now said is explaining the beginning of the Brighta? Why is it, why are we talking only about a case of half-half? Right? The idea of one star for two slaves is a fundamental, that fundamentally doesn't work. It doesn't matter what language you have in the Brighta. So why would we talk, why would the Brighta bother to mention the idea of chetzi chetzi as if that was something, you know, which was a chiddish or that was something which would have possibly made a difference one way or the other? Once you're talking about a star for two slaves, fundamentally that whole thing is invalid. So the Gemara says, no. Um, you're right. This is what it says. When you try to give your entire property to two slaves, they do not, it doesn't work. That's by one star. 
because fundamentally you can't have one star to free two slaves. And there, and there's obviously different. It doesn't make a difference whether it's Kulo or Chetzel. But if it's two stars, that does work. Okay? Because this is again Robert's position that according to the Rabbanan, it does work if you give, if you digest yourself fully. Um, even in two halves. Um, but if you said half half, even in two staros, even that doesn't work. Maintaining our position that there is a difference between half half and all all. So again, it's a little confusing, but according to Rabba, he says that the Rabbana would agree if you if you sold half and freed half, that the slave would be free. Here's a case of giving half of, of, of giving your property to slaves. Sounds like it's the same scenario. They should each like be half free and free one another. The writer says it doesn't work. Or one writer says it does, one says it doesn't. What's the reason for it not to work according to Rabbah? Either it's one star, and there's a technical problem that you can't have a star shikhlis that you slave. Or, the way we're now reading into the writer, even if you gave two staros, there would be a difference of all, all, and half, half. And again, the way Tosis explains, from of half, half, when you're dealing with two slaves, is since it doesn't work in sequence, it won't work simultaneously either. Okay. Um, so now the word says like this. Um, uh, the Evite say, if you want to say, which is exactly what we've been getting to, that when does it work when you say, when you give it all the way to two slaves, if it's all at the same time. If it's sequential, then obviously it does not work, because then, according to the Rabbanan, you cannot have free a slave. Okay. In the case of Zacharzeh, if it was actually a case that you said Kulo, not Hetzel, so we understand why the second guy doesn't get anything, because the first guy got it all. Ella Kama leaking Nafi leaking but if you said to one slave, I'm giving you all, and then after the next slave, I'm giving you all, why do we say it doesn't work? I understand why it doesn't work for the second slave. Why doesn't it work for the first slave? He got it all. So the Gemara says, Ella Machvar Tegedishin Mekar. Fine, we'll go back to our earlier answers. Okay? So bottom line is, Rabbi says the Rabbanon would agree when you sold and gave half of your slave away. That would just be like already it's half owned and you freed half. And, they, and that is one writer. When you give to two slaves that each own each other halfway. And the writer that it doesn't work is either it's in one star or it was two stars at Chetzi Chetzi. And that's Chetzi Chetzi to two slaves doesn't work even though Chetzi Chetzi to a slave and a free person does work. Okay. That's that. Now, moving on to the next topic. Ravashi Amar Shani Hasam. Excuse me, we're not yet up to the next topic, but we're shifting the focus. Shani Hasam to Kalkarile Avadai. No, no, no. The only reason it didn't work in that second bright that really, of course, it should have worked. I don't know, Tushtaros, Chatzichati, whatever it would be, it works fine. Like Rabbi said, it works according to Rabbana. But the only problem was, you said, all of my property is given to my two, these two slaves of mine. Okay? Um, Frederic and Enrique, my two slaves. So, I don't know why I'm having French slaves. Anyway, so, those two slaves, you called them your two slaves, which means that you clearly, what you in your mind thought they would remain slaves and own property. But because you referred to them as slaves, it meant that you weren't freeing them. So that's the only reason it doesn't work. Of course it could work if you were clearly freeing them at the same time, and even if you were giving half of them to one another. You were doing a type of a chayti chayti. So you might have said that's why, because you said I would die. So I'm going to from Ravashi. So Rafram said to Ravashi, uh, maybe it means that I've been my slaves until now. How do you say, how do you, why do you assume it means that you're continuing to retain them as your slaves? So, Milo Tanami, Tanami Mishnah. You wrote over all your property to your slave. So that also serves as a writ of freedom, since you're giving him to himself, and he goes free. Now, if you left over a little bit of land, okay, so you said, I'm giving all my property to you, except this little garden patch I have in the front yard, okay? He does not go free. Why? Because that's the position of that since you are not, since in that statement, you are not fully giving over what you say, you think everything except is a sense of holding back, that sense of holding back the same as there's a holding back on the property that you're giving him, we interpret it as a type of a holding back on his freedom as well. And therefore, he does not go free. Um, even though clearly you're only saying this little garden patch, you're not saying you're not, you're not freeing him, but nevertheless, since there is that holding back in the star, that applies to the slave as well. 
Um, now, no, in anything, you, you say everything except, you know, the following plots of land, that doesn't affect his freedom. But if you said, I'm, I'm giving you everything except one one millionth of my property, and you don't designate what that millionth is, then that he isn't free. Because maybe that one one millionth is partly him, or is all of him, and therefore that's why it does not work, because it's not a full writ of freeing him. Okay, so, now, all of that is interesting. By the way, that seems more consistent with the Rabbanan, that you can't half-free a slave with a writ. So you could half-free your slave with a writ, but then why should that not work, even if you're not fully freeing him? But anyway, what's important for us is it says, you are kosev kol nechasav le'avado, to your slave. So the Gemara says, um, does it mean it doesn't work? It's because you held part back. And you said, except for one, one million. It would work, even though Rabbi Shimon says, So even though you're saying Ploni Avdi, so to my slave, it still works. So am I the Avdi, Evet Kakari, you call him the slave. El Avdi Shayakfar, you mean that he's been my slave until now. There he also be slave until now. So saying that the whole reason it didn't work before when you tried to give it all to two slaves is because you called them slaves, that doesn't prove anything. That means that they've been my slaves until this point. But basically, if you try to give over all of your property, if it's, if, if it's going to work or not, that might be, according to, you know, might be based on Rabban versus Rebbe, whether you can half-free a slave. Rabban's claim is that even the Rabban would agree that you could half-free there because you're completely divested yourself of your slaves. And then it might have something to do with, did you say, cool, all to both slaves, or did you say half-half, maybe half-half would that work because that wouldn't work sequentially, or maybe it did not work because you wrote both of them in the same star, and like again, you can't have two written in one star. Okay, now we go on. That was a little complicated. That was the end of the discussion of Rebbe and the Rabbana. Now we go on to a different issue, which is much uh, more, I think, conceptual, about the question of the status of this half-slave. All right, so let's take a look. Now you have a slave that is half-free. And uh, this would be, let's say, before Beit Hillel decided to rule, were, were, reverse themselves and rule like Beit Shammai and decided that he's going to remain half himself, you know, half of the time work for himself, half of the time work for his master. And that's going to be a stable situation. So how is that going to play out in things that don't just have to do with labor? So let's take a look. Let's say he was bored by an ox on the day that he had designated to work for his master. Okay, he's off on Shabbos, so Sunday, Tuesday, and Thursday he works for his master. Monday, Wednesday, and Friday he works for himself. So if this happened on one of his master's days, so that day he was considered his master's slave. So the master collects the damages for the goring. Okay, so not going to show you Yom Shabbos, his day, if he was bored, he gets the damage payment. Now, of course, the funny thing about this is, is that the effect of those damages are going to last much more beyond that one day. So you would think that on that day, you could say the labor belongs to the master. But in terms of who's, what's his identity, who owns him, at any given day, he's half owned by himself, half owned by his master. And you should say, so who collects for the damages? You should say you should split it. That would be the logical thing to say. Okay, so this is very strange that on the day he's working for his master, he's considered to be in all monetary matters, Although in personal status matters, he matters remains half half. In all monetary matters, on that day, he's considered to be fully his master. So the Gemara says, Tyler, you're on camera right now for anybody who's watching. Um, so he, the Gemara says, um, so the Gemara says, not show you the rabbi. Yom Shalatmo Latmo. The Gemara says, Ellen Ayatta, if that's true, Yom Shalabu Yisai Shivka, Yom Shalatmo Yisai so first, Lubar takes it to the absurd. If he really, his identity switches on each day, well, why does he be married to a free woman on, on the day that he's his own? Then he's a free person. Um, and, and, and let him uh, be married to a slave woman on the day he's his master. Then he's 100% a slave. So I said, no. Yisura lo kamrina. We're not talking about his status. Yisura. The status, he's half-half. What we're talking about is a question about ownership. Who owns it? Now, even there, you would say, uh, he's owned half-half. You know, the laborer alternates days. But the Gemara seems to be saying that, no, he's always a personal status half-half, but in terms of ownership, um, on the day that he's working for himself, he's fully owned by himself. On the day that he's working for his master, he is fully owned by his master. So the Gemara says, Tashmach, I'm here. 
הניס מי שחצב עבר וחצב בן חורין, נוזמים חצי קנס ורבו, חצי כופר ויושב. So here you have a case not of damage and injury, but that he was gored and he, um, that he was gored and, um, and he was killed in the process. And there the halacha is that what happens if it's a slave, you pay a knas, pay a fine to the master. If it's a free person, you pay a kofet, you pay a, uh, a redemption fee, um, or not redemption, excuse me, <laughs> you know, a type of an atonement fee, um, and that goes to the heirs if an ox scores a uh, free person. So here it says that what happens if he's gored. So it says, it doesn't say it depends on what, who he's working for on that day. If he's gored and he dies, then you say he was half owned by himself, half owned by his master. So half the fine goes to himself and half of the co-fair, uh, excuse me, half of the, so the, so the part that's half owned by the master, to half the fine goes to the master. And the part that's half owned by himself, where he was considered to be a free person, that's not a fine, that's not a knaf, that's a kofar. And the kofar there, that atonement payment, that goes to his heirs. Now, the was going to ask what type of an heirs does he have. We'll worry about that in a minute. Basically, what you see here is, when the ox gores him and he dies in the process, uh, it doesn't matter whose day of work it was. That's a monetary issue. And even for a monetary issue, we say he's half-half. Okay, so how is that different than being gored and injured? So the Mar says, Am I? Why is that true? Let's here also say, that in terms of the question of who owns him as a monetary issue, it should depend whose day he's working, which day it is, and who he's working for. Here it's different because the principle has been destroyed, which basically means that now that he's been killed, it's not a question of just like which day. Like there it really is a full question of what was his full identity as who, you know, who owned him. That's a permanent type of a question because he's dead now. There's no ongoing question about it. So who owned him? Um, he was half owned by each and therefore you define it that way. But if it's something that is a question that it's not permanent, so in terms of non-permanent monetary matters, not a question of bottom line, who fully owns it, but like who is he working for, you know, um, that type of a thing is assessed on a day-to-day basis. I have to say, I still really don't fully understand, right? Because even if today he's working for the master, um, he gets gored, it doesn't mean that on today he's, you know, he's fully owned by the master. This question of who owns him is still half and half. So why the damages go, it seems like what the way that Mar is looking at it is, that if he was gored on the day that he was owned by his master, and that's considered almost the proceeds of the work that he is doing that day. One of the things that he gained out of him today, one of the things that he produced today, was the payment of damages. And if it was his day, that goes to him. That was his work for the day. And if it was his master's day, that goes to his master. So we don't assess it by saying the payment goes to the person who owns it and is half owned. And ownership doesn't switch day by day. Presumably we say it as this payment goes to, this is a, this is a sort of a, an earnings that came from him, and it goes to the person that's entitled to today's earnings. Um, whereas if he's, if he's killed, then it's not a question of earnings. Then it's a question of this piece of property or whatever, where this person was killed, this property was destroyed, what was his basic status? And the status was half owned and half free. Okay, so that seems to be the difference of Mahal Yakarna and not Mahal Yakarna. So now the Gemara continues. Um, so the Gemara says, What would be a case that he would be gored that it would not be permanent damage? Okay, because now the Gemara is understanding even more that if it's permanent damage, it does not have to mean that he was actually killed. It was literally a permanent damage. His, his arm was torn off. So that's, we can't look at that as that was today's earnings, money you got from the arm. That's a fundamental question that the property was damaged in a permanent way. And then it goes to the owner. And if he, the owner, and his master, and the owner, they're both the owners, and they split it. So if, if when he's killed, it goes by the fundamental question that he's half-owned by both, and it's split. And when he's permanently injured and his arm is torn off, it goes by the fundamental question of who owns him, and they both own him, and he's split. So which question is seen as one of earnings and not one of fundamental who owns him, and something that would be defined based on the day it would be? The Alahazi Dhamid Lokal Yakarna, so the one says... Let's say the ox hit him on his arm and his arm like swelled up. The sofa lachzor, in the end it will heal. So it's infected and whatever. It's going to take months till it heals, but eventually it will heal. So 
So the property has not really um, been been damaged in a permanent way. So it's not a question of, well, you broke this object. Who do you pay? You pay the owners. They're half-owned. The object isn't broken. It's just currently unusable. So it loses out the labor. He can't work. The labor is lost. But the object has not been destroyed. So then it's a question of seen as, oh, as a result of this injury, you get a payment, but the object, you, the person, has not been destroyed or damaged, you know, broken, that it would go to the, that the money would go to the owners. It's just a temporary situation. Ultimately, the owners are going to fully own their property. It's going to be better. It's going to be fully owned by itself, fully owned by the owners. So the owners haven't lost even part of their property. They've just lost his earnings. And therefore, on that day, any money that came as a result of that goes to the person who's entitled for his earnings that day, whether it's the slave or whether it's the master. Okay, so the Gemara says, the sofalaxo, so that's the case. So the says, honey, chalei abaye, that's good according to abaye, dama no sin lo sheres kado lo sheres ketana, shapir, elavav adari, no eni no sin lo elashiv tosha b'chol yom b'yom, hashoru, b'shor eni mishalem elanezek. So here the Gemara has an interesting question. How do we conceptualize a case when a person is bored and damaged in this way, that he's going to get better, but right now it's infected, it's swollen, it's going to take a long time. If this were a question about um, somebody that dam- a person who damaged another person, um, how would we conceptualize it? Now, when the person damages another person, chavala, personal injury, there are five types of pains. There's tsar, there's tsars, pain and suffering, ne- nezek, the actual cost, the actual Damage itself, the poison doctor still, Shevet, the, hospital, the uh, time that he's out of work because of the injury, and Boshet, the embarrassment. The part that's important to us is the Nezek and the Shevet. Now, in a case of a permanent injury, the lead was, uh, was, uh, was, was torn off. So, how much is the damage? Well, you use it based on the slave market, because how else do you assign a dollar value to a human being? Um, and you say, how much would he have been worse as a slave with the leg and without the leg? And that's the cost of the leg. Now, what's Shevet, time he's out of work? It's not the amount of work that he's lost, the job he can't do because he doesn't have the leg. That's all already considered to be incorporated into the value of the leg itself when you determine the value of the leg. So what's the Shevet, time he's out of work? Is that even while he's recuperating in the hospital from the injury, if he weren't recuperating, if he was out of the hospital, even without his leg, there's work that he could do. And the work that he's not able to do because he's recuperating, that's the shefet. So nezek is the actual cost of the injury in terms of what he's going to be like after he gets out of the hospital and so on. And the shefet is the time he's in the hospital that he can't be working, even in his current condition. Now, what would be the story if it was not a permanent damage? It was this case. The arm was like totally swollen up and he's going to be in the hospital and it's going to be like, you know, for three months. Okay, um, and even in the three months, right, that he's going to, so how, how do you figure out the payment? So one easy way, which is what Rubba says is, well, there's no nezek, there's no permanent damage. It's all just time he's in the hospital. And when he fully recovers, then he'll be, uh, you know, then he'll be able to, um, to, uh, to go back to his normal job. So you just pay him every day. You pay him the, uh, you know, the, um, the total, uh, the, the cost that he's out of work. And if it divides itself up into two stages, that at the first part he can't do any work because he's just in so much pain and recovery and whatever, right? And then the second part, because the, the uh, arm is still swollen, uh, he can't do his normal job, but he can do some type of job. He can go and be, uh, as Mark says, he can watch cucumbers, but while, but while he was, but, but for the first week he couldn't do anything, then you divide the payment. For the first week, he's completely out of work. Uh, his normal job was, I don't know, was a, whatever it was, a, doc, a doctor, computer program, you pay him his full-time salary. The second week, he's able to, um, you know, the second week, he's able to watch cucumbers because he's not in pain and suffering, but he still can't go back to his job of being a doctor. So then you're paying the difference between being a doctor and watching cucumbers. But anyway, the entire time, there's no nezek pain. It's all just, he can't be, you figure out what he's not, what, what job he's not able to do because of his current situation. And that's what you pay him for. That's what Rav says. Abai says, no. You actually pay him what's called Shevet Gadol and Shevet Ketana. Shevet Gadol is the fact of, and you consider it as Nezek, that he cannot currently, um, you know, do his, uh, you know, do his major job. So the fact that 
you go ahead and you look at the slave market. You don't say, like, how much labor is he losing because he can't do his major job, his job. That's how you look at shaving. You say, no, how much would a slave be worth currently with this injury, even though it's an injury that's only going to last three months? And compare that to a slave without that injury. So that's the nezek. And then the shevet, that's already, now that you've incorporated the injury, now there's a time that he's going to be, he can't even do the cucumber watching because he's going to be in pain. So, according to Abaye, the Gemara says, we get it. According to Abaye, there's a value here of Nezek. How much is he worth without, without this injury on the slave market and with this injury? And that's what the shore will pay. But according to Rabba, says the Gemara, it's only Shevet. It's only time out of work. Now, this idea of time out of work, this is something that is only paid for a personal injury. When an ox scores a human being, the ox doesn't pay embarrassment, it doesn't pay suffering, and it doesn't pay doctor's bills, and it doesn't pay for the time the person is out of work. Well, the ox doesn't pay anything, but the owner doesn't pay. The only thing that the owner pays for is the actual change in value on the slave market. So, back to where we were. We were saying, this evidence, if there's a permanent injury, then it goes by who owns him, and it's divided by himself and the, to, between himself and the master. The only time when it would be seen as an earnings issue, and based on whose day it was, was that it was not a permanent injury, but that it was a temporary injury that he was going to fully recover from. So the Gemara says, well, listen, according to Abaye, even a temporary injury is something an ox, you would pay for in case of a boring ox. Because we would still look at it on the slave market and the change of value, we would define it as nezek, and, a goring, and you would look at, in the case of boring ox, it would be paid for. So it's a type of a nezek which really isn't a permanent damage, and that would go by the person whose day it, to the person whose day it was. But according to Rava, there would be no payment for this if an ox temporarily put him out of work. Because that's just a question of, 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 there's no damage, permanent damage, there's no damages to be assessed. It's only payment for time out of work. And that is only paid in the case of personal injury, not in case when ox injures. So what is that scenario? So the Gemara says like this, let's read that. So Ella, the Gemara says, um, be, uh, honey, by so that whole long explanation was in these two words of that works for a buy that says in the case of one person injuring another in this scenario of a non-permanent injury, there's big shevet, which means we actually base it on the slave market, even though it's only a temporary injury. And shevet tana, the time that right now he's in the hospital, that he's out of any shop. So there's an idea of actual damages to be assessed. But running to rubber that says in the case of personal injury, if you don't do the slave market, you only base it on the time out of work, if it's not a permanent injury, hi, sure, this is the case of an aspect wars. For sure, and Michelle, not a nezek, surely pays for the actual cost of injury. And Rabba's saying that there's no injury here. We don't assess it as damage. We only assess it as time out of work. So, according to Rabba, what is the scenario of a non-permanent damage that would get paid by an ox, in the case of an ox? So the Gemara says, Eva Zimakashikadam, fine. So although it sounded like before we were saying that he was gored when the slave gets paid, but when, you know, when it depends on whose day it was, now you forced me to say it's not a case of goring. If it's a case of goring, it equally is divided by both parties. That's a case of real injury, and that goes to the owners. When does it go to the person whose day it was? When it was done by a person. And it was a non-permanent injury, and it was a payment only of loss of labor, and that would go to the person whose day it was, because that's seen as a type of a proceeds and not as a question of the obvious slave being damaged. The Ebaisim, if you want, I could say, it's just a teaching, it's not a bright, it's not a Mishnah, and therefore Rava doesn't have to agree with it. But you're right, it's not consistent with Rava. Okay, so what have we said? Meaning, that was a little complicated, but very conceptually important. We said that this slave, no matter what day it is, he's half slave, half free person in terms of personal status. And no matter what day it is, he's half owned by himself and half owned by his master. So anything that had to do with the fundamental question of who owned him, like if there was a, he was killed or it was a permanent injury, it would be divided equally between him and his master. What, the only thing that we would say is that if there would be a type of unusual earnings that would have resulted on that day but was not seen as a question of ownership of who owned him, then it would go to the person whose day it was. And that scenario would work out according to Abaye if an ox or him and did not cause a permanent injury. In that case, there's a payment of damages, but um, which would be paid in the case of an ox. But because the 
slave is not permanently banned damage, that payment doesn't go to the owners and divided equally, that payment goes to the person who's entitled to the slave's earnings on this particular day. And that's why it would depend on whose day it was. Okay, that was a little complicated. Let's take a look now at the next case. Ibailo, they asked the following question. Now we are dealing not with the half-half aspect, but with another wave half-half, this fascinating case of the slave that is not owned at all as property, but he is actually, he is not yet free. He has to get a star shikhor. A case would be, for example, you know, the Gemara before, if somebody is mafkir his slave, that he has to, he's a slave is not owned at all as property, but he still is awaiting his star and he still has to be freed. Another example would be our case. Well, taught like Beit Shammai, and now we force the master to free him. So there, he's, that's a little more complicated because that has both aspects. He's half owned and half and half free, and he's also awaiting the charge shift for. Okay, so even but the easier case, the non-complicated case, is that he's fully not owned, but he is still awaiting the charge shift for to change his personal status. And now, as we said, and if you remember from earlier discussions, that was a very fascinating idea, that the master is still considered enough in the status of master to write a star shikhwar, even though there's no property ownership left altogether. All and that was somewhat debated in the Gemara. Can the master still do it? Does the master need to do it? And so on. But here we are assuming this very interesting middle ground, that he is completely not owned as property, his personal status has not changed, the master is still enough of a master to write a star shikhur. And he has to write it, but he hasn't written it. So then, for which halachas would he might still be considered to be belonging to his master? Even though as a property way, he completely belongs to himself. So let's take a look. Ibailu, they raise the question. Do you pay the 30 shekel or not? Give the 30 shekel to the master. I love Adonu, and this guy's no longer the master. He doesn't really own him anymore. Okay. Okay, nothing. Not Kofor because he's not yet a free man. Not Knast because there's no Adon. We don't know what you would the alternative would be. But anyway, would you give the Knast to the master? So would you say he's not really a master? Would you say, No. Since he's awaiting this change of status and this Shar Shekhar, and in order for the other person to give him a Shar Shekhar, he has to have a status as a master. So therefore, maybe he is considered enough of a master to collect the knots. Okay? So because he is still a slave in terms of his personal status, make, and that may define the guy as the master. Now you could say that if he doesn't own him as property, why is he entitled to knots? But the answer here is, well, how do you conceive of also why he paid the 30 shekel when the ox was a slave? Since it's not a payment of the actual value, it's a knas, it's a fine, it's arbitrary, it's always 30 shekel, maybe it doesn't require that you actually own the slave as property. Maybe as long as you're the master. My ox bought a slave that was irresponsible of me, right, but for the free person, I also don't pay value, I pay co-fare, I was to blame, maybe I'm the one being punished, it's not so much of a payment of loss of, of, of property. So maybe even if the other person doesn't own him as property, just is designated as the master, that would be enough for me to pay the Shloshim Shekel. So the Gemara doesn't know. Okay? Tash, or let's see, it's going to try to prove. Tashma. This is what we just said. Case of half and half. Where's the guy who's half slave, half free? So no saying, You pay half of the Kanas to the master and half to the heirs. So now, what is now? Why does that prove anything? The master there is not fully owns him as property. He's not in the process of giving him a star shikhor. He actually fully owns him halfway. So the Gemara says, no, my love mishachrona. Maybe we're talking like the second part of the Mishnah, where now Beit Hillel agrees to Beit Shammai, and Beit Hillel says, you're right. You have to free him, and you have to write him a star shikhor. So according to that, he should be seen of as somebody that now, because Chazal are demanding that he be freed, that maybe fundamentally he's already not owned by his master, he's only awaiting a Shar Shechur, so maybe that should be like an analogous case, and nevertheless you pay half the Knast to the master. So the Gemara says, my love to Mishonah, love to Mishonah, no, that doesn't prove anything, that could be before Beit Shammai, Beit Hillel agreed to Beit Shammai, and you fully own him, half slave, you're not going to give him a star shechor. It's a stable situation, and you can't prove anything from that to our case, where the guy is fully 
unowned, not owned by the God, by the master, and only awaiting the Tarshish for. Okay, Tarshma, let's try to prove it again. Um, the master knocked out the slave's tooth and blinded his eye, which we know those are things that any one of them he'd go free. So the law is Yosef Bishino, who gets free by his tooth, no thing to make know, and he pays him for his eye. Now we're assuming that after he knocks out the tooth, the slave doesn't automatically go free. He's, the master is obligated to free him, and he still has to write a star shikhur. So this would be exactly our case. Basically, the master no longer has any, we're also somewhat assuming that once he's, that there's a demand to write a star shikhur, there's no longer any monetary claim over him. The master also didn't free him yet in this place, or didn't renounce ownership. But nevertheless, we're assuming once the story says that he goes free, what that means is the master no longer has any monetary rights to the slaves, but he has to write a star shikhur. So we think it's exactly our case. And that, what you see, that even in that case, the master now blinds the slave's eye and is going to pay the slave for the eye. Okay? So even though he still is the master and demands, uh, and, and has to write a star shikhur. If the master would get a knas if the slave was gored, the Knaf the Rabbo and it goes to the master in this situation where um so Khabubi Rabbi Gufe, so so the master uh Pasha Khabubi Ahrini Yadla Rabbe, if other people injure him, it goes to the master. So um Yadla Rabbe. Khabubi Rabbe Gufe Yadla Rabbi, if the master injures him, would they go to the slave? Meaning if the truth if Allah is that while he in a case of Mu'ukh gets Shikhra, the master is still entitled to the payment of Knaf. And the master should be able to keep the payment of personal injury. Now, I have to tell you, I don't personally understand that, because the issue about personal injury, that really is a question of who owns him monetarily, and the slave owns himself monetarily, and of course it's going to go to the slave. The only reason I thought Knaf made sense was because Knaf maybe wasn't a payment of loss of property, and therefore Knaf wasn't the payment of loss of property, could maybe be not, that should go to the person who still has to give him a shikhur, even though he doesn't own him monetarily. But in this case, once you don't own him monetarily, why should you be entitled? But Kumar somehow seeing it all in the same parsha, that maybe, even though there's no monetary ownership, and I can't work the slave, and I'm not entitled to his earnings, but since I'm still his master, any payment that comes as a result of something that happened to him, maybe that should go to me, whether that's Kanas or whether that's Chavala. And this proves that that's not the case by Chavala, but if I'm Chavala in it, it goes to him. It doesn't stay with me. So Kumar says, doesn't that prove our case? So Kumar says, um, um, no. Maybe this is going like the opinion that says that when I knock out my slave's tooth, he doesn't need a star shikhor. So it's not even our scenario. He automatically went free. And then when his eye was blinded, he was already completely a free person. And that was the end of the story. Okay? Um, uh, where are we? The denying is on a bright side. The cooling of the Yotabin and the Chichur. May in all of these uh, cases about 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 breaking or whatever, destroying uh, you know eye and tooth or any of like uh, fingers or any of these sort of appendages, you know, he ever goes free and needs to get shechua. Um, he does not need to get shechua. He automatically goes free without any stock. Um, um, so it's back and forth, does he need or not need? Those who decide, you know, in front of the stages, whatever that means, actually, that he doesn't know what that's referring to. I mean, Nir'im will basically try to weigh the different opinions here, because we have all these tonight, and some say he does need a Shah Shikhar, some say he doesn't, so they came out with a compromise. Nir'im give Rebbe Tarfa and Bashem the Ayin. Rebbe Tarfan says he doesn't need a Shah Shikhar, that's by an eye, a tooth and an eye. Bovatar Zichthalo, since that's from the Torah. And therefore, he goes free without a star shikhur. by the other limbs. Since that's only a, a sign imposed by the sages. Now, the Gemara gets very upset, because the, although it's only mentioned eye and tooth, we understand by that, as that, that that's meant to include other appendages. So the Gemara, and why are we calling only a rabbinic fine? We understand that that's biblical. So the Gemara says, um, we learned that out from Sukkim. Since it's only learned from a drasha, he'll need a star shechor. Now, what's the logic? Who cares if it's learned from a drasha or not? If the Torah says he goes free without a, without a star, he goes free without a star. So there's a very nice little toast. He says, Tosos brings in an idea from an earlier Gemara. So it says, 
That if, if he doesn't have a star shikhrur, the guy will, okay, he broke off his pinky, but he'll say, yeah, you're still my slave. I, you don't go free with that. Okay. But if it's an eye or a tooth, he'll never be able to claim that. Everybody will say, what do you mean? He's missing, missing an eye. He's missing a tooth. Just look at the sukkah in the Torah. But something that's not as explicit as the Torah, we might want to give the slave more evidence and demand that the slave get a star shikhrur. So anyway, back to our point. What is the status of this slave that is awaiting a Shar Shechor? Is it true after his uh, tooth has been knocked out? Um, so the Gemara says, well, maybe he's not awaiting a Shar Shechor. If his tooth has been knocked out, there are all these positions and the, and the compromised position as well, which is that he goes free automatically. He doesn't even need a Shar Shechor. So of course, if he's injured afterwards, the slave collects, he's automatically a free person. What would be the status of somebody who is not owned monetarily by the master and still awaiting with the cops Get shikhor, to what degree is the master still considered the master? Would he connect, collect the knas? Would he collect chavala? The Gemara does not yet know the answer to that. Again, as far as I, as far as, you know, it would seem to me that the issue of would he collect chavala would be much more obvious that the master would not. That's a monetary issue the slave owns himself. Would he collect knas? That maybe you could sort of see maybe more has to do with the person's formal status as master than an actual question of of property ownership. But anyway, the Gemara has not yet resolved that question, and we're going to go on tomorrow with a question not about things that are mon- monetary, which would seem to have maybe more of a more obvious answer that the slave should collect it once he's not owned from a monetary perspective, but we're going to get onto things which are more somewhat an issue of personal status. So we'll be continuing with this tomorrow.